Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a Buddhist-oriented path to recovery from addictions. For more information, please visit us at refugerecovery.org. Welcome, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Anybody want to volunteer to be the door person for me? Sure, what does it entail? Um, who, who's, I didn't see who that was. Megan. Megan. Um, have you done it before? It means like admitting people. Um, I make you co-host and then you admit people. Sure. I'd be happy to. Okay. So you did a thing that says make co-host. And now you should have the ability to see the people in the waiting room and yes, they admit. Yep. Thank you. Appreciate the help. You're welcome. We'll get started in a few minutes. Three minutes, two minutes. Casey, you're rocking. It's okay. Bill.
Okay, welcome everybody. Is the sound okay on your end? Good enough? Cool. Um, welcome everyone. Um, this is the first Thursday teacher-led offering from Refuge Recovery World Services. Uh, this is not a Refuge Recovery peer-led meeting. They're two different things. Peer-led meetings uh, go by the format and the essential elements and the uh, guiding principles of refuge recovery. But it's one of our um, intentions to both offer the organization for peer-led, peer-to-peer, person-to-person uh, Sangha meetings, and also some teacher-led you know, events where we have a retreat coming up that I'll be teaching. And um, the tricky place that we hold in, in practicing Buddhism and saying like, okay, we're not going to be a hierarchical teacher-led meeting structure. We want to be a peer-led meeting structure, but also we, we want to offer some teachings um, and uh, the ability for people to come on retreats at times. So I did uh, every Thursday last year and this year I'm just doing one Thursday a month with uh, teachings. And we're in a series of um, mindfulness, the four foundations of mindfulness as the topic for the first Thursday nights. And this is the fourth um, series on mindfulness. So we've gone through the first foundation and just a little reminder, the first foundation, which is Mindfulness, present time awareness, non-judgmental, kind, investigative awareness of the body. The first foundation is the body, and that's where we receive the initial instructions, which is mindfulness of the breath, and then mindfulness of the breath and body, sensation, sensory experience. Now, of course, all of, all of this is the body, the, our, our mind, where we're going last month and, and tonight, um, uh, is also part of our body, but there's this uh, distinction between the physical and then the mental and emotional uh, experience of being human. And in our case, being a human uh, addict with the mind of an addict, the body of an addict, which does seem to be a little bit different than the other normal human beings who have all of their own suffering but not the suffering of addiction. It's a special, special suffering that we experience. And um, so the first foundation, breath and body. Second foundation, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, what's called feeling tone, waking up, training our mind to investigate that all of the phenomena that we experience, whether it's physical or emotional or mental or the sense doors of seeing and hearing and smelling and tasting. There's an instant perception of whatever we're seeing being perceived as pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Whatever we're smelling, whatever we're feeling physically, and every single thing that arises in our mind. And without mindfulness, usually we're not aware, except for when it's intensely unpleasant or intensely pleasurable. Uh, often we miss much of the neutrality of, of life in the body, in the mind. 
But part of mindfulness is training our mind, focusing on investigating what's my relationship to the pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. We did that a couple of weeks ago. If you missed the first three of these series, um, I think they're on YouTube, although one of them I think I forgot to record. It might have been last month where I just forgot to hit record, so it's just lost. <laughs> um, but I'll revisit it at some point, I think. Um, first foundation, breath and body. Second foundation, feeling tone, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. Third foundation, where we start to uh, no longer ignore the mind, but turn our attention towards the mind. And uh, both the process, seeing the impermanent, impersonal, unsatisfactory nature of what our mind is doing all by itself. Thoughts without a thinker, thoughts that are just, you know, part of what our brain does, not, not so personal, a lot of it, and developing the wisdom and the discernment of what thoughts are trustworthy and what thoughts are not so trustworthy. But first, by just seeing that the mind has a mind of its own and that you know uh, so many of our thoughts are not volitional, are not intentional. They're just arising out of nowhere. And often they are giving us bad advice, judging and comparing and craving and uh, resenting and doing all the things that the mind does. And in the third foundation, just observing that process of like, oh, look at that fear arising and passing through my mind. Look at that craving arising and passing through my mind, uh, but focusing more on the arising and passing the impermanent nature. And the second aspect of that third foundation, which is becoming more awake to the content. Uh, this is craving. This is aversion. This is judgment. This is fear. This is joy. This is generosity this is the experience of equanimity you know all of those are also mind states the fourth foundation uh in the book in the meditations in the refuge book we call it uh mindfulness of the truth and i refer to it as that because the traditional um name the poly name for this fourth foundation is uh, dhamma unapasana, dhamma meaning the truth, like dharma, dharma, dhamma, same word, uh, the truth, and mindfulness of the truth that is arising in the present moment. So on some level, I feel like what we're being asked to do is first narrow in, ignore your mind, pay attention to your body, narrow in on the breath, Get a bit concentrated on breathing in, know you're breathing in, breathing out, know you're breathing out. Now that you're narrowing in and you've gathered your attention, now start to expand your attention to your whole body, to the four elements in the body, to the 32 parts of the body, to the impermanence of the body. And now that we're expanding a little bit more, investigate the body as being pleasant, unpleasant, neutral in our perception. And now that we're expanding more, stop ignoring the mind and the sense doors and open to mindfulness of hearing and smelling and tasting and seeing and mindfulness of thinking and applying the second foundation. Is it pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral? And now we expand further to the fourth, which is like, okay, I'm here. Now that I'm here, not lost in the future, not lost in the past, now that I'm present, mindful, What's true about the present? 
And we start to see that, um, you know, in, the, in that fourth foundation, what the Buddha said was investigate the Four Noble Truths. Where's the Four Noble Truths in your direct experience in the present moment? Are you suffering right now? Bring mindfulness to the suffering. Is the, can you see the cause of your suffering right now? The craving, the clinging, <laughs> the self-centered fear that is creating our suffering in this moment. Bring mindfulness to it. Name it and know it. Oh, this is self-centered fear. This is obsession. <laughs> this is craving. This is hatred. This is suffering. Right now, mindful of it. Rather than, and, and this is important because, because the first foundation invites us to come back to the breath, often when we're having those experiences of suffering and we don't like them, we're averse to them, so we just yank our attention back to the breath. And we say like, oh, I want to avoid this. I don't want to feel it. I don't want to pay attention to it. I'm going to come back to mindfulness of the breath because that was the initial instruction. So many of it's so easy to get stuck, keep coming back to the breath. And it's good advice in the beginning. But the more we practice, and I, this is the, the Buddha's encouragement to us, is start to just learn to be with your pain, be with your suffering, turn towards the craving, see it clearly, see that it's impermanent, see that it's not your fault, it's not so personal, rather than being reactive, rather than obeying it, rather than um, just watch it, just be with the arising and passing of the suffering. Become friends with your suffering. Be mindful of it. Non-attached, uh, non present time, investigative, kind awareness towards suffering, towards craving. And also the third truth. When you're sitting here and you've arrived and you're meditating and you're starting to fall into some tranquility or some calmness and serenity also be mindful of that oh this is not suffering so this is what it's like to not suffer and allow yourself to enjoy that and to know uh, this is a taste of nirvana this, and as you progress as we progress on our meditative development you'll start to see oh i can actually fall into that experience of non-suffering even when it's painful if I meet it with acceptance, you can be fully mindful. I'm here, my body's uncomfortable, my heart is aching, I'm grieving, it's unpleasant, but there's no suffering around it because there's total acceptance. Now I know this, if you're new, you're like, that sounds fucking impossible. <laughs> uh, but this is the teaching and this is where our practice leads us gradually, eventually to the place where we become at ease with whatever's happening. And when it's tremendously pleasant and we've been developing non-attachment, like I'm just with this without the old addictive attachment to the pleasure. We know that it's impermanent. We know that it's not worth suffering about, but that we develop this superpower of non-attached appreciation. This feels great. This mind state, this sensation, these sounds, smells, tastes, and we know that they're impermanent and we learn to not cling. 
So the fourth foundation, what's true is when we're turning towards and we're seeing like, okay, there's suffering, there's craving, there's an absence of suffering. Might see, you know, be mindful of speech. You know, if you're being mindful of what you're saying as you're saying it, that's also fourth foundation, not just in a formal meditation, but it's the uh, mindfulness of communication, mindfulness of community, mindfulness of uh, the body itself, this uh, physical form, mindfulness of uh, the consciousness that is knowing it, mindfulness of um, the five hindrances comes in this fourth foundation, present and doubt is arising in your mind and you're able to just meditate with it and just be mindful, oh, this is doubt. This is just my mind saying, I'm not enough, or I can't do this, or I'm unworthy, or whatever your mind tells you. And rather than taking it personal, mindfulness without judgment just knows, oh, that's just the doubting mind. It's not who I am at all, but my mind has this habit of judging and fearing and doubting and craving, and we just become mindful of it. Mindfulness of craving, of aversion, of restlessness. The ability will be developed if you're sincere about your meditation practice to be sitting here in your meditation feeling totally anxious, totally restless, totally worried, however it's manifesting. And just knowing, okay, this is worry and having room for it, acceptance of it, spaciousness around the worrying around the anxiety, around the uh, feelings of frustration without making them worse. And so much of what mindfulness is teaching us, see clearly what's happening and learn to respond to it skillfully. And the skillful response to whatever's happening in our mind usually takes you know, one of the three wise responses, which is like, is this calling for compassion, forgiveness? Is this calling for non-attached appreciation? Or is this calling for not taking it personal? For understanding that it's not, you know, that this is just the judging mind. It's not who we are, but it's what our minds do. This is just a craving mind. It's not who we are, but it is what we experience over and over. The second noble truth. Here it is again, more craving, more lust, more attachment. And I kind of watching that show, mindfulness turns us towards it. And luckily it's not all bad news. I don't know, for me, I felt like my early years of meditation was like mostly bad news. I heard one teacher, um, I got a little bit of relief from ignoring my mind, but anytime I, you know, first foundation felt like a relief, but anytime I opened to the kind of third and fourth foundation, I felt like my mind is just so abusive. It's just like such a, it's such an unsafe uh, environment in my mind in the early days. And I heard uh, one in a Dharma talk, a teacher say, uh, in some ways, meditation is just one insult after another. <laughs> and I could just relate to that so much of like just sitting here and just feeling like insulted by how I was talking to myself and how I was feeling about everyone else. It's just like, oh, one insult after another. And then over the months and years of learning to not take it so personal. And also the inner environment does change over the years. 
um, it becomes less insulting. <laughs> it becomes less critical. It becomes less afraid uh, and resistant. Uh, has been my experience. I hope that will also be your experience. I believe that that's a common experience is both a decrease in the afflictive emotions and also an increase in the ability to not take them so personal and to be at ease even in the midst of sorrow, even in the midst of craving and to not be so reactive. A Dharma teacher that I like said, maybe this whole third noble truth, nirvana, what we're talking about as recovery, recovering our goodness, recovering our wisdom and our compassion, is it maybe it's as simple as becoming non-reactive. Because isn't it almost always our reactivity that's causing our suffering? It's not the pleasure, it's our reactivity to the pleasure, the clinging, the craving, that's what we're suffering about. It's not the pain, and that's a hard one to come to really understand. It's not the pain in our lives that's creating our suffering. That's just pain. It's the aversion. It's the hatred. It's the fear of the pain that is causing the suffering. And if we become less reactive to the pain and more responsive, more compassion, more non-attachment, then we don't suffer so much. We're on our recovery. Uh, flourishes, blossoms, whatever we want to call it, goes well. So not all bad news. In the beginning, it felt like it was for me, but then over the months and years of practice, starting to see, oh, there's actually some level of equanimity being developed and being mindful. This is equanimity. This is the experience of being at ease with what is or tranquility. There's a, sometimes you turn towards your mind and the truth is it's real quiet in here. It's not loud and judgmental and critical. It's just like one teacher said, it's like a still forest pond. Sometimes that's the experience. It's not necessarily the goal. And I think we all need to break our delusion that the whole goal is to become still inside. But sometimes that does happen. And you turn towards it and be like, oh, wow, there's this real spacious, still, calm state of being that has arisen and that will also pass, right? It will not be permanent. Joy. I don't know if you've had it yet, but if you meditate, if you come on retreat, if you're thorough, you will have the experience. And I've had it over and over. And it's such a trip where you're just sitting here meditating and you're struck happy happier than anything just like joy is in it just like it's unlocked from your cells from your mind your heart whatever we want to call it and you're just meditating and you're like this is fucking amazing and i'm not doing anything there's no drugs there's no sex there's no no source of pleasure just my own awareness and incredible joy the buddha calls it rapture and you'll have that experience and it's part of the fourth foundation. Um, and again, it's impermanent. And if you cling to it, you'll suffer about it. But if we respond to it with non-attached awareness, uh, non-judgmental uh, appreciation of like, oh yeah, this is joy, this is tranquility, this is... And so this is the list, the Buddha said, the seven awakening factors will also be experienced 
um, through our mindfulness and it's part of what we're doing and it's a developmental systematic training. So that's what we're at tonight. We're at the fourth foundation. And when we open to the fourth foundation, we are doing um, vipassana is the word, insight meditation uh, for all four foundations when they come together. If we're just concentrating on the breath, we're actually doing samadhi, more concentration practice. And then we start to open to the second foundation, to the third. And when we're in this fourth foundation practice, mindfulness of the truth, it's when we're doing what the Buddha uh, really encouraged us to do if we want to end the causes of suffering in our life. The breath by itself won't do it, but whole body, whole heart, whole mind, turning towards what's true, learning to re be less reactive and more responsive. This is where we have the insight into the impermanent, the impersonal, the unsatisfactory. And we start to progress along being able to embody that, not just know, right? The difference between knowledge where it's like, oh yeah, I read the book, I know. <laughs> I know what to do, I read the books, I listened to the talks. But it's our meditation practice that starts to let us download the knowledge into a directly experienced wisdom. And it's not just knowing, but it's being able to actually experience it. And that's wisdom. Wisdom is, is uh, the experience of it, not just the information. So that's plenty as a setup. I went on and on as I tend to do sometimes. Uh, welcome to everybody. Anybody that's here for the first time, welcome. Welcome back to everyone else. And we'll meditate. Um, do 20... 20, 25 minute period of sitting, uh, maybe a little bit longer if I get lost in there, we'll see. And, um, and then we'll have some discussion about the fourth foundation, mindfulness of the truth. So find a way to sit upright, relaxed. Don't do that. Take a moment to soften. The eyes are gently closed. Feel the breath as it enters the nostrils. And as you exhale, soften everything, the face, the jaw, shoulders, heart, belly. With each exhale, releasing clinging, releasing expectation. softening into the present, just as it is.
and investigating the first foundation of mindfulness, present time awareness of your body, breathing. Feeling your contact with the chair or cushion, your hands resting your lap on your legs. Receive the breath as it comes and goes with as much awareness as you can, letting the thoughts be in the background for now. Bringing an attitude of friendliness, of kindness, gentleness, and warmth as much as you can. Attitude that is as kind as you can be towards yourself in this moment, towards your mind, your body. You can open to the second foundation right away, just with the breath itself as your perception of the breath sensations, pleasant or unpleasant or neutral.
over and over, bringing your attention back to the present when you start indulging in the plans and memories. We're not trying to stop the mind, but trying to not get too involved in the content. And expand to other parts of the body. Again, feel the contact with the chair. Feel the body sitting here. All of the, what are called touch points, where there's contact, where your hands are resting, your lips touching, your tongue resting in the palate of your mouth, the eyelids perhaps. the armpits where the arms touch the side of the body. The sense doors, sounds, my voice, other sounds in your environment. Perhaps the inner sounds of your own breath, your heart, the ringing in the ears. Smelling and tasting and seeing, even with the eyes closed. And we can investigate what are we perceiving, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. An opening to the heart and mind. The arising and passing of emotions and thoughts. Make room, spacious, open awareness. Turn towards the contemplation, reflection on the noble truth of suffering. If you're not totally at ease in this moment, what is it that's causing your dis-ease, uneasiness? Is it resistance to pain? Is it craving? Is it fear? Are the hindrances of doubt, worry, restlessness present?
we're not being asked to, to do anything to get rid of them, just to accept right now, it's like this, my mind is loud and busy. Mara is attacking, judging, fearing. Whatever your experience is, name it, know it. Non-judgmental awareness of the heart and mind. Sadness feels like this. Or joy, excitement. Gratitude feels like this. Where do you physically experience restlessness, sleepiness, aversion or craving? Is the experience constant or constantly changing? If doubt arises, name it, explore it. What does doubt feel like in your belly? As we investigate the factors of awakening, is mindfulness present? Are you here knowing that you're sitting, breathing, thinking, feeling, not lost in the future or past, but aware of the present? Is the mind at least somewhat concentrated, able to 
focus and investigate? Or is it all over the place tonight? Is the factor of investigation present? What level of energy and effort are present in this moment? Are you awake and present? Do you feel energized or lethargic? Is the factor of joy present? Check your belly, your heart. How do you experience the joy? What kind of sensations are associated with joy? What kind of thoughts arise in the mind when joy is present? And are you attached to these thoughts and feelings or do you let them rise and pass? Do you feel equanimous with your mind and body? Are you at ease, balanced? Allow relaxation to arise. Soften your belly, your jaw, your heart. Right now, it's just like this, the way it is. Relax around it and into it. Let it be and observe. Investigate and contemplate the truth of each moment as it manifests in the body and mind. And remember to be friendly. To be accepting and patient, even if we're not very concentrated or not having any joy or equanimity yet. Just tolerating the mind's insults. That's mindfulness too.
Remember that as recovering addicts, we're not broken. We're not lost. And here we are together doing the hard work of recovery, of training the heart and mind to see clearly, to respond more wisely. We'll take the last couple of minutes of the sit to just extend some gratitude towards yourself first and foremost. Offer yourself some loving kindness and some appreciation for trying, for continuing on the path. And then extend this kindness and appreciation to your sangha, to the people you're going to meetings with, mentors, mentees, friends. May each one of us continue on this path uncovering the wise heart, the compassionate heart, developing the skills of recovery. And as we open our eyes, uh, part of the practice is to never stop meditating and to not have like meditation is only something we do when we're sitting still with our eyes closed, but bringing mindfulness now to seeing and moving and uh, and then as this class ends, continuing mindfulness, this is the goal is continuing present time awareness in all of our activities. And, you know, the, the sitting practice is the formal training. Of course, we do this every day, sit. Then we start to uh, bring it into driving and walking and talking and listening and, uh, you know, sending emails or whatever our activity is bringing this quality of investigation and awareness and to not only what we're doing but the second foundation how does it feel 
And the third foundation, what's my mind doing? And this sort of healthy skepticism of like, is this good advice that my mind is giving me? My mind's telling me to say this or to do this or to eat this or <laughs> whatever it's telling me to do and having some healthy skepticism about like, hmm, I wonder if I should actually do that. <laughs> wonder if I should actually uh, obey my mind in this moment. And that's part of what the third and fourth foundation are opening us to this relationship to our mind. So questions, comments, is it clear? Does it make sense, this mindfulness of what's true and, and, and the way that the Buddha put the kind of um, lists of like, well, be mindful of the Four Noble Truths and be mindful of the Five Hindrances and be mindful of the Seven Factors of Awakening and, and just as sort of things to investigate the truth uh, of our mind. Uh, and sometimes all we see is the first noble truth. I look at my mind and all I see is suffering. Sometimes I look at my mind and I see joy. And, you know, this invitation and encouragement to uh, don't get stuck in an avoidance-based meditation practice that's always just yanking the attention back to the breath and never really learning to relate to our own emotions and thoughts. Um, so I'll leave it there as far as my offering and um, if there's any questions or comments, clarifications from you, you can raise your hand and I will call on you. Raise your hand in that little um, thing that's in your, I think, reactions under your participants. Um, Laura, go ahead and unmute yourself and... Thank you. Thank you very much for, um, first of all, letting me in late. Um, and I don't believe it's a coincidence that I found this meeting tonight and it was something that I needed to hear in a big way. So, um, you, you know, I, I, I do feel there's, um, there's just this spirit, right? Like that, you know, the soul of not just each one of us, but all of us together. And I find myself through this addiction recovery nightmare, <laughs> um, leaning more and more towards um, refuge recovery because, and not so I can just sit and meditate all day, but, but because it's, it like actually brings my awareness into the fact that I am part of a, a huge, great body of people. And I'm very grateful, very grateful that, that you let me in, you let me share. And um, I look forward to, to this meeting again. Thank you so much. Thanks, Laura. And I, I, it seems like you're aware, but just to clarify, since you came late, I said this before. Um, refuge recovery meetings are peer-led, and um, 
And this is a offering of Refuge Recovery World Services where it's an actual teacher offering. And so most meetings aren't like this. And I like to also say like, if you ever go to a meeting where somebody's doing what I'm doing, um, please let them know that it's totally not okay <laughs> to start teaching and answering questions and stuff like that in a refuge meeting. Uh, this is just something that we do from World Services once a month, um, but, mo but the meetings no are- No idea. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, no idea. I'm just yeah, seeking so, it out because yeah, I, so come to come to meetings. You'll see that meetings are a little bit different than that. We, you know, one of the people in the meeting, and you might even be asked to read something from the book and to read the meditation, and we just do it as peers. Um, uh, oh, okay. I, as as the founder, I decided that I would offer a, a monthly sort of guidance, um, but this is a bit different than than the regular meetings. Oh, all right. Well, you know what. Um, as I said, I'm a newcomer and I'm just seeking. Yeah, totally <laughs> I'm seeking <welcome>. it out. <laughs> yeah, so come, somehow I found this. I yeah, um, come to lots of meetings. They're all on the website, yeah. and you can go on Zoom or maybe there'll be in-person ones in your area. But welcome to Refuge. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Peace. Peace. Casey, go ahead and unmute and jump in. Hi, um, thank you. Is this an okay forum to ask a clarifying question about service and the qual what you need to be doing for that? Um, I mean, sure, on some level. The third Thursday, we do, a, the first Thursday, I do some teachings. On the third Thursday, we do a kind of more like town hall about questions about the kind of formats and service and stuff like that. But since you're here and you're, you know, feel free, ask it and let me, let me take a, a quick stab at it. Okay. Um, thank you for, I didn't come to refuge for an alcohol problem or a substance problem. Um, and one of the guidelines that it says for people who are doing service, as far as like abstinence is that abstinent, we abstain from alcohol and drugs and I personally don't use those often, but I've never been, I've never said necessarily that I abstain from them. If I was to give service to a meeting, would that be something that I needed to abstain from if that's not why it came from, came here? Or is it simply from my process addiction? Um, well, if I was gonna keep it as a yes or no answer, the answer would be yes, you do need to abstain from recreational drugs and alcohol to be of service, whether or not you have ever had a substance addiction. Um, and the reason behind that is we are practicing Buddhism. And you know, like this, this mindfulness that we just did in order to be able to do, and the goal, as I let, as I ended the meditation with, the goal is to try to be mindful all of the time in every area of our life. And uh, as soon as you take a drink, you can no longer do this. It makes, uh, as soon as you take a, you know, even if you're, as soon as you take a couple hits of weed or have a drink of alcohol, you can no longer be fully present. It blocks the ability. This is the Buddha's you know, teaching around this. So he said, anybody that wants to use this path and, and take it seriously should abstain. 
and it had nothing to do with people being alcoholics. They just had to do with, if you want to be mindful, renounce putting into your body substances that block your ability to be mindful, like drugs and alcohol. So um, we're, you know, we're, we're taking this path of the Buddha's teaching seriously and applying it to our recovery from addiction and recovery from all kinds. And part of that is um, a sober life. So that's the, that's the stance. Does it make sense to you? I don't know if you, uh, can you, can you still hear me? I think uh, Casey's screen is frozen. She might have frozen. Okay. Well, I hope you heard most of that. It'll also be recorded if you didn't. Um, and if you would like to come to the third Thursday, happy to discuss it a bit more if you'd like. So let's go to Jay. So my question is, sometimes I wonder whether or not I'm at ease or whether I'm ignoring my suffering. Like, we have this tendency and addiction to, to numb and avoid, run from. Sometimes I feel at ease and I wonder if it's because I'm, I'm ignoring my suffering. I'm not addressing my suffering. I'm not addressing the things that maybe, maybe, maybe something's so wrong with, but addressing things that are troubling me. Yeah. No. Uh, not, not through the use of drugs and alcohol, just for my natural tendency to do that as an addict. Well, um, I don't know. I don't know, Jay, how much you're doing this meditation practice, but I, I feel like this meditation practice is sort of the answer to that uh, investigation. Um, because if you actually are sitting in mindfulness and turning towards your, your emotions and your mind, you'll see the difference between numbness uh, and avoidance. You know, and, and you'll, you'll see like, oh no, this is either, is this the, the flavor of equanimity and the flavor of, you know, numbness is so different of avoidance and that this is actually the sort of opposite of avoidance of I'm not checking out and, you know, looking for some external refuge all of the time. I'm turning inward and being with my own mind and emotions and sensations and uh, it'll become more and more clear. I lost Jay too. I don't know what's happening. Everybody that asks me a question gets. Sorry, Jay, we can't hear you anymore. Can other people hear Jay? I can't hear him now. No. Sorry, man, we can't hear you anymore. Two in a row. <laughs> we lost his audio. Oh, yeah, I lost his audio. Too deep in the woods out there. Um, Robert, go ahead and jump in. Thank you, Noah. Um, thank you for your devotion to this practice. I'm hoping I can be heard. And thank you for um, your devotion to sharing it. Um, I, I'm pretty new to having anything but a cursory um, attraction to Buddhism. And I realize how deep the teachings are. And I could spend a thousand lifetimes and know 1% of what's available. So I'm very excited um, for this path. And I've heard some people mention that they are on a particular tradition, that, uh, in a particular tradition of practice. Um, 
And I'm just, I guess, learning the difference between mindfulness meditations and concentration meditations. And so when I'm looking at um, page 87 in the book, and it mentions that concentration could be misused or abused um, and could postpone liberation, uh, and, to, and that we ought to be wary of teachers or traditions that are only offering concentration-based practices. I'm curious what one of those only concentration-based practices look like, uh, whether that's a reference perhaps to mantra meditation and what the Buddhist perspective on mantra meditation is. So I'd just love to hear your perspective on that because I, I, I do the meeting um, meditations, but during the morning when I do my sadhana, I'm, I'm experimenting with a bunch of different kinds of meditations that are available. And I, I'm just curious what would be the best complement as I build my own personal practice. Thank you. Sort of a, a several questions in there. And um, anyways, nice to meet you, Robert, and welcome. And, and um, yeah, I want to make a few comments. One is, you know, the sort of feeling that it might take lifetimes to learn all this stuff. I actually don't think, I don't think it's so. In the beginning, it feels intimidating, like there's a lot, but actually after you start looking at it and practicing, and I, I like what you're doing, and I did that too, or like experiment with a bunch of different techniques, and you start to understand that there's a sort of universal line through all of the different traditions, and then there's some differences. And that there's, you know, all of this stuff, you know, you can really complicate Buddhism, but really um, after you've complicated it a bit, as religion does, it's all also really quite simple, uh, pretty straightforward. There was actually uh, a time where the Buddha said, if it's my teachings, it will be straightforward and simple enough for a seven-year-old child to understand it. And, you know, so it's like the Four Noble Truths, right? Like when you, like straightforward, there is suffering, there is a cause of suffering, we can end it, right? Addiction is suffering, it's the repetitive craving. It's straightforward, like, you know, my, you know, my kids explain it to my, them and they'll be like, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> and then, you know, the teachings that sort of go too far out there, you're like, ooh, you know, either maybe it wasn't actually the Buddhist teaching or, you know, people, our, our intellectual capacity has just sort of like complicated it. Um, don't cling. <laughs> the, <laughs> the Buddhist teaching, really simple. Don't cling. So the, the other piece around concentration, there was, you know, there was times where the Buddha, you know, I'm, I'm taking that warning from, you know, the early teachings where the Buddha at times really was quite cautious about uh, concentration practices. And he, in his own search for awakening, had been taught concentration practices, probably, um, you know, probably mantra-based practices, probably, you know, early, um, you know, focusing mantra, single-pointed concentration practices. And he had found that um, they didn't lead to the liberation. They weren't, they weren't mindful. They weren't allowing us to turn towards the mind. They were allowing us to uh, avoid. So knowing that, you'll have to see as you... Uh, practice, you know, your different techniques that you're learning. And even just seeing your relationship, as I've been saying tonight, uh, to the breath and how quickly we want to go back to that concentration on the breath. 
because concentration generally feels better. And it's a little bit like the, the other question that um, was asked just before you when we lost him of like, how do I know if I'm, you know, at ease or I'm avoiding? And concentration can be really easily used to avoid our emotions, to avoid the cravings and the aversions and the fears and the, the hindrances. And, um, and that's why it feels so fucking good to concentrate because we get to avoid <laughs> what's causing us suffering temporarily. But the problem is it's just not a sustainable, uh, we don't have the ability to stay concentrated all of the time. And so it all comes back, the craving, the aversion, the self-centeredness, the, it all returns. And so this is where mindfulness, we actually do have the ability to be more and more mindful all of the time. And it's not dependent on a rarefied meditative state, just knowing what's happening as it's happening in every aspect of our lives. So I don't have that much more to say about it other than, you know, knowing that, and as you investigate, you know, our techniques here, which are mindfulness-based, the breath is a bit concentration-based, the, um, the uh, heart practices when we're repeating the loving kindness or the forgiveness or the compassion, that's also a bit of a concentration state that we're developing because you're choosing to place that thought in different than what we're doing tonight, where you're not making your mind do anything. You're just observing what your mind is doing with awareness. So I don't know, I'm going to leave it there of like, you know, have fun uh, exploring and keep in mind uh, this caution around becoming too um, attached to the concentration based practices. They work really well as long as you bring them in conjunction with mindfulness but in and of themselves, not a solution, not, won't lead to the compassion and the wisdom that we need to develop to fully recover, to fully experience freedom. Thank you. Welcome. That brought much clarity. I appreciate yeah. it. Okay. Um, it looks like that's it. And we can leave it there. I do, don't mind keeping this at around an hour and it's been about an hour. So uh, thanks everybody for showing up. Um, I don't receive any compensation for doing this, I'm, uh, but if you are uh, out of gratitude, if you'd like to offer Donna, uh, please offer some Donna to World Services, to the, to the nonprofit. Um, if, if somebody could put the link in the chat, uh, most of you come to meetings and you know the, the website and the chat, the link, um, but consider making a donation. Uh, it won't come to me. I just do this as my service, but um, it will support our organization. So please support our organization. Somebody's going to put the link in, I think, and um, just offer merit. Many goodness that comes from our practice and discussion be shared with all of the suffering addicts everywhere. May each of us do what needs to be done to heal, to recover, to find freedom. Together, may we create a positive change on this whole planet. Refuge Recovery is freely offered. If you'd like to make a donation to support us, you may do so by following the link in the episode notes. We appreciate your generosity.